Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. Two things before we get into today's episode. If you have not yet done so, hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And secondly, I recently launched the Move the Ball merchandise store. Some people have been asking me about when I was going to get it up and running. I did some initial swag last year, but now the store is up. So go check it out and rock that you are a part of the Move the Ball movement. There is a link in the show notes for you to check all that stuff out. Okay. For today's episode, I've got an awesome guest with us, someone who had a great football career and is doing some incredible things today. Inside the huddle with us, I'm ready to talk about his experience as a pro athlete, as a businessman, and also to help us to move the ball is Ronnie Brown. Ronnie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you here with us. I know you've been busy and like me, have always been on the move. So I appreciate you making time for us to have this chat today. How are you this fine day? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Just left a lunch meeting. So, you know, I was excited to join you, you know, what you're doing and the opportunity to, you know, assist you in moving the ball. There you Um, go. Something that I'm comfortable with. So happy to be here. I love it. And so just to share with our listeners a little bit about your background, you are a retired NFL running back who played college football at Auburn University. And Ronnie finished his college football career seventh in school history with 2,707 rushing yards and 28 rushing touchdowns. Now, Ronnie was drafted in the first round, second overall by the Miami Dolphins in the 2005 NFL draft. He played in the league for 10 seasons with the Dolphins, the Eagles, Briefs, with the Texans and then with the San Diego Chargers twice. Now, currently, Ronnie is a financial advisor, wealth management space. We'll talk about that as well as he is doing a fantastic job helping people to move the ball by increasing their financial literacy. So we'll get into all of that and more in today's show. All right, Ronnie, you ready? Ready. Going to have a great conversation. All right. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about what's the best way to kick off our conversation. And because I really want to have engaging dialogues and meaningful conversations for our listeners. So as I was getting ready for our show, there's so many places I could start us off. And I was just on a call earlier today with a corporate client as I do a lot of consulting work. And he was talking about how he really appreciated how much stuff I'm putting out there for people in the world, especially when there's so much negativity and so many reasons why people can get distracted, demotivated and depressed. And I know you are also very active on social media as well, putting out great content. So what are some of the types of things that you're putting out on like Instagram and other digital spaces to help keep people to really stay positive and to help them to move the ball? Yeah, I think so. First off, you know, I think it's all about your approach and your perspective to life. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a heavy believer in the law of attraction. And so the type of energy you give off is the type of energy you receive back. And so just looking at that, you know, I'm trying to get used to this whole social media thing and get Mm -hmm. good at it um, because it's a way to, you know, market yourself 
and to put out content without, you know, a third party provider. And so, you know, for me, the goal is to just try to put off things that I have found important. It may not necessarily be for everyone, but, you know, things that I feel are helpful, some things that have helped me, I would like to share those things. And so when I post on social media, whether it's Instagram, you know, most of that stuff is tied to, you know, financial literacy, because that's something that I found really important, especially for my transition from college football to the professional level. You know, that was something that I didn't have a lot of knowledge about until I dove into trying to educate myself and try to acquire that information. And it's helped me tremendously just from being around it, being involved in it, trying to search. You know, I'm big into quotes. And so I'm a big believer in, you know, I think the education you receive versus the education you pursue, you know, obviously two different things. And so when you're in school, during school, there's just an obligation or objective to get done with some of the stuff. Whereas, you know, on your own, you're trying to search things that are of interest to you. And so it's a little bit easier to learn. And so what I try to put out is stuff that I've found helpful that may be, you know, applicable to anyone else or, you know, in similar situations, or it may just be stuff that someone here and there may find interesting and, you know, maybe catch on and start researching it for themselves. Because I also feel that, you know, even though you trust me as an individual, but also it's more important to trust, but verify information for yourselves. And so, you know, those are just some of the things that I come across. And so every now and then, if I find something interesting, I'm like, hey, I'll share this. Somebody else, someone else in my position or similar situation may find it interesting as well. And I like how you mentioned that people when they're in school, especially at the undergrad level, they're just trying to get it done. Check that box. Say, yeah, I got the degree. But when you're looking online at content, you're usually searching things that are of interest. It's not a forced thing. It's a desire that I want to learn information. I want to grow. And social media is a great way for us to be able to share information with other people, whether it's things that we're doing in our own space, in our field of expertise, or just things that we found of interest to pass on to other people. So social media is definitely great in that regard. it's also detrimental in terms of it can be a distraction, right? right? And, and, and they say that the outcomes in your life are driven by the things that you focus on. And in today's day, being able to really stay locked in and remain focused is a competitive advantage because there's so many people that just get caught up in everything else that's out there on social media and in the world. So when you look back, I mean, you've had a great college career. You've had a great career in the NFL. You're a successful business guy. What are some of the things that you have done to help you stay locked in throughout your entire career? Yeah, I think just some of the concepts of life that I've learned, you know, for me through the context of sport, you know, I think about the importance of time management. So that's, you know, whether you're in college or as a professional athlete or just a professional businessman, time management is important. And like you said, there's so many distractions out here trying to eliminate and to limit those things that are distractions. And so for me, the time management and then outside of that, some of the things that I've learned through sport is kind of like being great at the things that don't take talent. That's what I always tell my kids. I have a nine and a, a six-year-old. And so I've, I always tell them and I harp on it is, you know, those things are your attitude, your attention, and your effort. You know, you can always have a great attitude. That's something you control your attention. You can always know what to do if you listen, pay attention, and your effort. That's the three things that you control the most. And so, you know, in addition to that, showing up on time, being present, you know, I think just being present helps a lot of situations. That's half of the battle. And so, you know, approaching it with an open mind. And so those are things that I kind of find of interest and find of value, you know, that relate to life or and no matter what walk of life you're in, those are things that are applicable to, you know, any situation to me, you know, whether it's sport, like I said, in the business world, you know, those are things that I find helpful. 
Yeah, all great points. You talk about time management, which is important for all of us, no matter what field you're in. I do a lot of corporate speaking engagements. I talk about this principle of managing the game clock. In football, you have 60 minutes to play. In life, we have 1,440 minutes each day. So you have to really be mindful of how are you managing each of those minutes. All of those seconds count, and they're going to determine whether or not you're successful that day or not, just depending on how you manage those plays and spend it. Another thing I really like you talking about is showing up in football. I'll talk about it in other sports about being where your feet are, right? It's important to be present and make sure that you're locking in on what you need to for that particular day. So I think those are great pieces of advice. Now, let's talk about you playing college football at Auburn. I am a Bama girl, but I got to show some SEC love and shout out to some of your teammates as well. Jason Campbell, Devin Aromashodu, Brad Lester. They were all on the show over the last two seasons. So love those guys. What was it like playing with guys like that and Cadillac as well? It was great. You know, I think, you know, when people ask me and I'm, I was passionate about football and sports and the opportunities that it awarded me and afforded me. But the greatest part of that is definitely the people that I've met, you know, from different walks of life. Like you say, Jason Campbell, and that was my college roommate. Brad Lester shared the backfield with us. You know, so he was, a, mm-hmm. you know, one of the younger guys that played running back. They came in. Devin Aroma should do, you know, came in, did a really good job. And so those experiences, those relationships, you know, those are people that I talk to, you know, outside of that. Jason and I, he's my kid's godfather. And so, mm. you know, we don't stay far apart. I just saw him this weekend. So those are the things that, you know, really are close to me and I hold close to the best because the experiences we have are great. But the most important thing about the experiences is who we get a chance to experience them with. And so yes. that's the beauty of college football because you have, you know, more so than not, three years to spend with guys, three, four years, you know, and developing those relationships. And so some of those relationships are, you know, like I said, the closest relationships that I have to this day. Uh, you know, there's a couple group texts that I'm on with guys from Auburn. It's one group text. There's 14 of us and we just talk about life. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's kind of an extension of the locker room, being able to have those conversations, you know, having relationships. It may not be in the group context, but, you know, at least having someone to do life with. It's really important to share moments, share milestones, share things that you accomplish, share things that, you know, are challenging and just having that outlet. You know, that's been the most beautiful thing that sport has offered me. And I'm so appreciative of that part of it. Oh, I love it. And yeah, the relationships you built through the sport are just incredible. And it's great that you stay in contact with Jason so closely today. And yeah, so when you look at your success at Auburn, what do you think are some of the things that really helped you to dominate on the field? And I'll ask you too, because I mentioned Cadillac, how did you and Cadillac push each other to be better day in and day out? Yeah, I think it goes back to the old saying, iron sharpens iron. Mm -hmm. And so when you're around a good group of people, it pushes you to be your best. And so you know, through sports, through being a competitor, you know, I always wanted to compete. I always wanted to be the best. I always wanted to, you know, be appreciated for the efforts that I put in and, you know, how tough that is. And so, you know, like you said, when you talk about Cadillac, I knew how good a player he was as soon as he stepped on campus. And so, you know, for me, I'm like, well, if I'm going to be able to compete with this guy, I got to bring my best every day. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, he made me up my level of play. He made me prepare better. He made me do better. He made me challenge myself. And so just the way that he approached it and so many other guys, you know, having those guys, you know, to challenge you, you know, and it's not necessarily about other people, but it's about pushing yourself to be your best, because I think we all understand when we have done our best and when we haven't. And so, you know, you have coaches, you know, that want to push you and you can fake it and 
grunt and moan and act like you're giving a little bit more, but you know mm-hmm. deep down inside when you could have tried harder. And so when you get people to put you, you know, in situations where you're challenging yourself, you're trying to beat your best, mm-hmm. that's just self-beneficial, you know, and and I think you know, people say it all the time, like that you're a reflection of your circle, mm-hmm. especially like the five most people that you hang or share your time with. And so, yes. you know, just knowing that and being intentional about that, that's something that I've also learned. And I think it's important. I think people know that they've heard that type of a saying before, like who you surround yourself with matters. You're the average of the five people you're around and things. Yeah. But putting that into practice can sometimes be a little bit more difficult because people have people that they've gravitated towards earlier in the career. Maybe those aren't the right people to get you where you want to go in the next phase of your life. And so that's something that I've really been getting people to just continue to assess who is in your network, who are you spending your time with, and are those the right people to get you to where you want to go? And if they've been the same great people since day one, and you guys have the same goals and are still in contact today, great. But if you're looking at doing something different, maybe you need to shift that circle. I mean, for me, when I was in the corporate space, I surrounded myself with great corporate people. When I made the jump to go and be an entrepreneur, all of those people that I had hung around with were Fortune 50 corporate executives. They were not entrepreneurs. It's a very different mindset. So I just share that with people to think about. Like sometimes you do need to change the circle as well. I mean, you bring up a very valid point in that who you surround yourself with, those five people, it doesn't have to be five. It could be seven or 10, but those close people in your circle are the ones that are really going to determine whether or not you're performing at your best and you're doing all that you can every day to move the ball. Right. And, you know, and I think for me, like, just working in finance, you know, I think it relates, but it's just, like I said, in general, like your network determines your net worth. And yes. so the people that you're around you, you know, everyone's either an asset or a liability, you know, and Correct. so you got to surround yourself with people who are bringing something into you or pouring something into you. And it doesn't necessarily have to be monetary. It's Correct. just challenging you, I think, calling you out on the stuff, but also being a fan of you. And so I think that's really important. Oh, for sure. And something I share with people too is you want to have people that are fans of you for sure and have those cheerleaders. You also want to have people that have walked in the shoes of where you want to go so they can advise you and coach you and share lessons that they've learned. And hopefully you don't make the same mistakes because you've learned from their advice and their guidance and their mentorship as well. Right, right. So I'm going to ask you one last question about Auburn, and then we're going to talk about you playing in the league. What was your most memorable experience at Auburn? It could have been a game. It could have been something else. What was that one thing that you're really, really appreciative of from your time at Auburn? For sure. You know, for me, it was those relationships. An extension of that relationship with inside the locker room was definitely our chaplain at Auburn University. Mm. You know, our senior year, we went undefeated, but a large part of that was because of the work that he did behind the scenes. And I I think if you're familiar with Auburn, especially Auburn football, you've heard, you know, his name before, Chet Williams. Mm -hmm. But the last place I thought that I was going to increase my spiritual journey was college. You know, I think we all think about you know, getting a chance to be out on our own and spreading our wings and developing into the young men and young women who we want to be. Um, And that relationship helped me through some tough times. You know, I think just coming from an environment, being an athlete, we never talk about the challenges. You know, I think we all know like some of the opportunities, but a lot of the challenges, you know, being highly recruited for some guys or not being really recruited and going into challenging situations, it can take a toll on you and trying to go in and compete, trying to create and find, you know, most people say balance. I don't 
say balance, I think trying to understand how to prioritize things when they need that time. And so, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I came in, like you said, my freshman year, you know, Rudy Johnson came in as well. So he had come from junior college, really great athlete, shared time with him, ended up redshirting. And then, you know, my next year Cadillac comes in. And so then he's coming and he's awarded the starting job. And so that was a challenge because I had been there for a year and I was thinking I was going to get an opportunity. And, you know, he comes in, very talented guy. And so then that challenged me mentally, you know, and so I started to think about, man, what if this football thing doesn't work out? Mm-hmm. You know, what are outside of this? And so, you know, sitting down and he and I started going through Bible study and started doing some of these things. It definitely helped me continue the foundation that I had from my parents, and my grandparents, but it also let me know the importance of it because I started to personally pursue that part of my life. And just having that foundation as I left Auburn, it was really huge, you know, and going to Miami, you know, and I'm the last one to say that, you know, I didn't have challenges. I didn't struggle and there weren't things that I was doing, but that was always cognitive in the back of my mind of having that foundation of, you know, even when I was with the Dolphins, of no matter what I was doing, trying to make it to Bible study, trying to, you know, keep that foundation. And so it kept mm-hmm. me within certain guardrails. And I think that was one of the most beneficial things to me was that relationship that he and I had started and, you know, him helping me through life. And even now, like he and I still having a relationship when I see him down in Auburn or, you know, he called me a couple of weeks ago. He was up in my hometown going to dinner and telling me about a restaurant. And so those relationships, like I said, those things are invaluable because those people that, you know, you do life with, you establish those relationships with, help you through a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely a challenging part of, you know, something where I was that has definitely paid dividends to, you know, who I am today. Oh, I love that story. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, when I mentioned a little bit more about your bio, I had said that you were drafted number two overall in the 2005 NFL draft. Tell us more about draft day, what that was like for you hearing your name called and then your transition into the league. You know, it was one of the most exciting days of my life, but it was also one of the scariest. And, you know, it's funny you hear people talk about that. You know, for me, you know, being drafted, you know, as a kid growing up in a small town in Northwest Georgia, Cartersville, Georgia, I just wanted to be a professional athlete. I didn't, wasn't thinking about, I want to be a first round pick. I was, I want to be second overall pick. You know, I just want the opportunity to pursue my passion. And I was always, you know, football was always important to me. And, you know, it's just about me wanting to compete and getting that opportunity. And so when I got the opportunity to play at Auburn, you know, it was beautiful. It was definitely a blessing, but then to even be on top of that, being selected in the NFL draft in the first round, the second overall pick, you know, I could have never imagined that. And I tell people to this day, you know, sharing the backfield, you know, never being the considered starter, splitting time with one of my best friends, you know, that was all a blessing that was shaping me for something. And I'm still trying to figure out why me at certain Mm -hmm. times, you know, and I, feel like I have a purpose and, you know, everything that I experienced is for a reason. But being drafted, going to New York, you know, the the most beautiful thing about that for me was, you know, being from a small town and growing up in a challenged environment with both my parents, you know, who have passed to share that experience with them, going to New York City for a week with my parents. You know, that's one of those other invaluable experiences that I had, you know, being drafted where I was, that was a bonus. But to have that experience, 
you know, with my parents, you know, that's kind of, you know, emotional because never would I have thought that, you know, and to take family up there and have that experience. My wife, who was then, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she went as well. And so to talk about those experiences, you know, that was definitely blessing. That was God's grace on me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I feel like even now, like being able to transition out of football, I want to see other people experience that. I want to be a part of, you know, being a hand and however I can help them in life, whether it's through athletics or not. You know, and I think that's the beauty of why I've transitioned into the profession that I have. But to really try to put words to that, you know, I can't because it's that experience that you share with those people while you're pursuing your passion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had the dream at five years old that I wanted to be a professional athlete. Didn't know what that would look like. Didn't know how much hard work it would take. The many lessons that I would figure out and I would find along the way, the many challenges, the uh, hurdles that I would have to jump over. And it's all been worth it, every minute of it. Even the challenges that I've experienced, it's all been worth it up until this point. Love it. Now, as you know, the NFL is a business. And we talked earlier about posting content on social media and something that you had posted a few weeks ago. You had said, I wish someone would have shared this with me. In professional sports, it is all businessman. So you know you are a businessman. Therefore, becoming a businessman and learning the businessman or you will become someone else's business plan. Tell us about what were some of the things as you transitioned into the league that you wish somebody had educated you on as a rookie? Well, I think to start off, you know, when I first started playing football at five years old, you know, that was my passion. And it was also as I got older through high school, it became my opportunity, my way to, you know, maximize my potential and take advantage of that, whether it's, you know, to earn the scholarship to Auburn University and not have to pay for college, you know, which would have been a challenge for me being the first in my family to really go to college on a scholarship you know, at 100%. And so I think those things, it became, okay, this is an opportunity and I need to make sure that I maximize every single bit of it. And then I went through college and then I got drafted to the pros. And then the thing that was my escape, the thing that, you know, helped me escape some of the the realities of life, you know, it became a job. And no one talked to me about that part of it, like about the transition, about the business side of it, the politics that comes along with being a professional athlete, the choosing the professionals to work with, not really knowing, being from a certain background, not knowing how to do business, being great at your craft, but not understanding the business that comes along with it. The, you know, the small likelihood that you're going to make it, you know, the 1% of people that, that make it. But then even beyond that, after you make it, the challenge to try to stay in it mm-hmm. year after year, you know, and dealing with injuries or you know changes, uh, things that occurred. And so going through all of that stuff, that was something that I wasn't privy to. Um, and so trying to figure that out, you know, I don't ask a lot of questions like most athletes because, you know, I think trying to show those vulnerabilities, um, it can be detrimental mm-hmm. at times, you know. And so, you know, a lot of guys are guarded, which, you know, I understand, that, especially coming from certain backgrounds. And so trying to understand the business and being in the NFL, it's not always talent related. There's other things that come along with it. You talk about now, you know, the effects of social media, what you put out there, you know, that's the number one. That's probably the first job interview that you have. And so, you know, looking at all of those things and then understanding the business of it, the things that move behind the scenes, you know, the people that you tend to work with, all of that stuff matters. And, you know, not really understanding that coming from where I came from, you know, it was a lesson. And, you know, luckily, unfortunately, God helped me navigate that part of my life, you know, with hopefully out too many hiccups. And that's why I feel 
obligated to give back and to share, you know, and you talk about that post, you know, that was something as I was seeing, you know, what's going on in the world of sports, the business of sport from a society standpoint, that's not something that a lot of people get to see. You know, you see the glitz and the glamour. Well, you got the opportunity to be a professional athlete, but they don't see a lot of the challenges behind the scene. And so really just trying to be a voice for that part of it. While it's all great, it has its challenges. And so trying to teach and educate the young guys on that part of it. It's like, oh, I wish I had known, you know, at this point in my life about this part of it. And you have conversations with other guys and it's like, man, had I known that this was a business or how to navigate these things. And so hopefully just throwing it out there, and at least one guy catches on or somebody thinks about what I've been kind of talking about. It can be helpful for someone else. And I feel the obligation to do that just through my experience of, you know, what I got the chance to to go through and the blessing that I received, but also trying to be a blessing to someone else. Sure. And I think that more and more younger guys coming out of college are becoming aware of the fact that this is a business. And so they're preparing themselves accordingly. Things like social media have helped them with you know hearing people's stories, seeing that content and understanding that people that are mentoring them. You have more trainers, too, that are trying to educate them. I know the NFLPA is doing some stuff as well. So I think guys are being a little bit more prepared at this is a business and I need to think about it that way. But also I need to think about what am I going to do beyond football as well. Now, we just wrapped up. I do a Path to the Draft series on the show where we had a number of draft class guys come on and share their stories. And they listen to the show as well as other student athletes. And they're getting ready for this next chapter of their life, hopefully, you know, going into the NFL. What kind of things would you share with guys that might be listening that are about to transition into the professional football space and become players in the NFL? Well, I think the biggest thing is being intentional, being intentional with your time, being aware of the people that you're around, being aware of the people that you associate with and understanding you have to at some point be selfish with your objectives. You know, I tend not to try to say goals because I feel like you put a cap on it. And once you achieve a goal, then what happens? It's like, well, have I maximized that? And so, you know, trying to put objectives out there, it's like, okay, well, I've, you know, made this objective. Let me set another one. And so, you know, and you can potentially do that with goals as well, but depending on what they are. And so that's just my take on it. But, you know, I think with guys just understanding because this career, if you want to call it, isn't long in relation to, you know, your lifespan, um, it's trying to maximize each opportunity. And, you know, I think it's like people say all the time, especially in sport, you'd rather have the pain of discipline rather than the pain of regret Mm -hmm. Um, and saying, I wish I had of, you know, during this opportunity, I wish I would have. And so just trying to maximize that. And it takes some sacrifices, you know, and I think making it is great, but that's just part of the battle. Now it's just beginning. And I remember Philip Rivers used to have, he always has a hat that says New Chepi, you know, and it's a Latin saying that means now I begin. Mm -hmm. And so each day is a new day. Each opportunity is a new opportunity and trying to maximize, you know, those things and understanding it. And now that I'm an older guy, I really understand some of the things that people were trying to tell me in my 20s and understanding how to navigate, you know, these waters and all the stuff that, you know, you can experience and being a target for a lot of things and, you know, having a high profile, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that, you know, and it's just, you know, like I said, another saying is to whom much is given, much is required. And so mm-hmm. just understanding that, like higher you go up, the more of an opportunity there is for these distractions to happen yes. and being aware of those things. Now, you played in the league for 10 seasons. Uh, when it came time to transition out of the league, how was that transition like for you? Had you been 
setting yourself up? Had you been thinking about going into the financial space already? Tell us about kind of your journey beyond the game. You know, I had started getting inklings of what I wanted to do, but really didn't know because, like I said, so much of your focus is tied to once you get into it, it's like, how can I stay in it as long as I can mm-hmm. um, in maximizing this opportunity? And so, you know, not really being aware of the business side. And there was small things that I did. And one of the bigger things that I did was an investment in a, a community bank. And so that was the catalyst, you know, along with other factors of my transition of, you know, being around guys, seeing what happens on the financial side to a lot of athletes, whether it's self-inflicted or, you know, choosing the wrong individuals to work with and not really educating yourself on that part of the process. And so just seeing that part of it, when I did that investment, it was like, hey, wait a minute, like, this is something that I can learn. This is something that I'm attracted to. This is something that's going to, you know, help me out, even if I choose not to pursue this path. And just as I got older, you know, luckily, like you said, as a running back playing 10 seasons, you know, during year 10, I just realized that this was my last year, you know, whether I would have gotten another opportunity or not, because, you know, the preparation, the process, I didn't enjoy it as much. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to find something with purpose following my career. And, you know, that's one of the toughest things that, you know, a lot, a lot of athletes talk about is that transition because you're doing something you've always done and it's a part of you. Yes. And it's trying to reinvent yourself. And so, you know, that's where the real challenge happens because you lose that locker room setting. You don't yep. have that group of guys. And so there's a lot of times you have that idle time. You're used to a structure. You're used to, you know, having that time management or that routine that's in place for you. And to lose all of that all at once, you know, it's a challenge and not having you know, those people to talk to, you know, and a lot of guys I see, you know, as athletes, we struggle in silence mm-hmm. because we don't know how to be vulnerable, you know, and, and guys are doing a lot better at that. You know, you talk about the mental health part of it, but, you know, that's the reality for a lot of guys. And luckily for me, you know, my wife and I got married, we were having kids. And so that helped me create some type of routine, but that's the key is trying to develop that routine. And in that switch, that transition, trying to find something to fulfill that void that you created, you know, through sport, which there's a great opportunity, but also just being aware of that, you know, I think the self-awareness is really the key because, you know, we're all different. And so what makes you tick may not make me tick. And so just understanding who you are outside of the game and not allowing yourself to be consumed by the game. And that's you thinking that's all you are as an athlete. And so, you know, I think trying to find those interests outside of that. And so for me, my purpose became in the thing that I was like, well, I wish I had known more about this during my career. And so I was like, I can educate guys. I can help be that for someone else. Sure. And I like that you talk about the identity struggle that people go through when they're transitioning out of the league, because they, to your point, their whole life has been wrapped around this thing called playing football. The same happens in the military space. Yeah. My listeners know that, that I'm in the military. And so I, I work with a lot of guys coming out of the league, as well as veterans that are trying to transition and they're trying to figure out what is it that I go do next. And so I encourage people to start thinking about that before your service, for example, for guys in the service or gals in the service, a few years before you're planning on getting out, start putting that together. Same thing when you're in the league, start building that earlier on. Don't wait till the career is done and you've hung up those cleats. Start preparing for that sooner. One of the things that you mentioned earlier in the show is that your net worth is tied to your network, right? And so something that I would encourage people to do is really think about, are they networking with the right people now so that they can set themselves up for that next step, that next chapter? Yeah. And yeah, and I think that's a huge part of it, you know, and I think 
you know, the thing about it is in business, you know, being in finance now, you know, I see a lot of business people start thinking of their exit strategy, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's business succession plans or whatever. And I think we have to do the same thing, whether it's, you know, as executives with companies or as we're transitioning, you know, into retirement, having an understanding of, okay, I need a plan for this. And, you know, it goes back to the old saying, if you, you know, fail to plan, you're planning to fail. And so it's so just into life in general, and it's not just to sport and it's okay to have plans, you know, and start thinking about that because you never know. And so at least just having it, not to say that it's a backup plan, but at least just kind of being aware of what those interests are, what that process looks like, what that retirement looks like. Yes. You know, and so I think that's key for so many. Absolutely. I completely agree. And since we did talk about networking a little bit, I've mentioned this on the show before, but in the show notes, I always have this. I do this five-day virtual training camp. It's free. It's about how you can better network virtually in today's environment. So it's a five-day video series. If you're interested in learning how to be a better networker, sign up for it. Again, it's free. And I'll give you a video every day on challenges of networking, as well as just things you can do to, uh, to build those relationships in this environment. So, Ronnie, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two-minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. This first one, I think we know the answer to, but I'm going to ask anyway. When you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? Professional athlete. There you go. What three words would you use to describe yourself? Character, integrity, and purpose. Love it. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? My first love was actually baseball. Nice. What position did you play? Center field and right field. Okay. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Ooh, it's a song called Never Would Have Made It. Oh, I like it. Uh, What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? So I listen to various podcasts. There's a book that I just got called Greatness. I actually forgot the author's name. I actually ordered it. It was like a $100 book. But I haven't even gotten to the first chapter because I've also been trying to read a few other books. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I need to work on better is focusing because I get book recommendations Mm -hmm. and then I read a chapter of each book and I'm like, wait a minute, I got to finish one of these. And so that's the one I'm going to try to finish. Okay. Next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I think my three people would be living Tiger Woods, deceased Martin Luther King. And one more person, probably deceased as well as Tupac. Okay, three great choices. Now, my last question is, do you sing in the shower? Not really. Oh. I'm terrible at singing. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. So as we look to close the show, Ronnie, let people know where can people follow you? Uh, where are you at on social media? And do you have a web presence? Let us know. Yeah, so on social media, it's Ronnie23Brown for both Instagram and Twitter. I think on Facebook, it's Ronnie Brown. And I think it's a picture of me and my family. I don't even know what the handle looks like. And then just, I think those are the three best places to locate me. That's the beauty of social media. You have like marketing. And so, you know, sending me messages and trying to connect. I love to, you know, have conversations. Perfect. And we'll have those in the show notes. And I encourage you all to go check out Ronnie's pages. He's always putting out great content. So definitely worth having a look and giving him a follow. Well, Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you again to everyone for listening. If you liked today's episode and you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do that and also share the episode with a friend or two or three. It's one way you can help me to move the ball. And lastly, again, go check out the links in the show notes. We've got Ronnie's social channels. We've got the five-day virtual networking camp there and the link to the merchandise store. So check all those out. 
Thanks so much again. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.